Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. And I'm Eben Novi Williams, and this is the award-nominated sports business podcast, The Sportacast. I love it. Normally, because if there's two words that are next to each other and the hyphen in between, it's Novi and Williams, of course. <laughs> but then there's the award... And the winning, <laughs> you know, we haven't gotten to the winning yet, but we are award nominated to tell the folks what we're nominated for and how they can help us if they are fans of the Sportacast. Yeah. Forgive us for a little log rolling at the beginning of the episode. Uh, the Sportacast is one of eight nominees for the sports podcast awards in the sports business category. Uh, so we'll put the the link on our Twitter account uh, or at sportspodcastawards.com. Um, but for folks out there who enjoy the show and, and maybe want to uh, let, let it be known that they like it, uh, we would obviously love it if you would vote for us in the sports business category. Yes. And of course, if you listen to one sports business podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if you listen to some others. And I'm here to say that there are some really good ones out there as well. So check them all out. Take a listen if you haven't. And you know, right after saying that you like ours best, then go and like <laughs> just let everybody else know what you think of theirs as well. Feel free to rank everybody else behind ours. <laughs> that was some serious, that was like ESPN2 classic log rolling right there. You know, the ones where everybody's going really fast and nobody falls. That was some really good log rolling. All right, let's get to the business du jour, which for now we're going to start with Eli Manning and we are not talking football. I love the fact, I love these stories. Eli Manning has joined Brand Velocity Partners, private equity firm, our friend Drew Scheinman. Uh, congratulations on landing, Eli. But Eben, the, the latest in athletes who are expanding their off-court, off-field empire. And what I love most about this was the brutal honesty from Eli in that he's like, no, I don't have an MBA from Wharton. You know, I'm not in Harvard Business School. I know my lane. I know I can help. And, and Drew knows how he can help. And if you want to kind of give a synopsis as to what will his role be, uh, probably not unlike Justin Tuck at Goldman Sachs. You know, there are some who are intimately involved in the business, former NFL player Randy Vitaha and Game Plan Ventures. Um, so, but uh, Eli Manning joining a private equity firm and what will the role be? Yeah, I think the, I think his role will be, and, and we've had people come on our show in the past to talk about the way in which fairly prominent athletes have helped their own business or helped get a deal done. I think Eli is going to be instrumental in deal flow. 
there, there are certainly people that are going to be want to chat to Eli and talk to brand velocity partners because he's Eli Manning. That's going to be, I think, instrumental. And then secondly, as he said there, I, th- I think Eli certainly has some expertise in terms of across the sports business world, particularly in the media world, kind of what is next, what is working and what isn't. But I think the main thing here, I would imagine, is that you know, the, all these private equity groups, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at deals all the time and Eli is going to help open some doors, help get some meetings uh, that, that might not have happened uh, without him being there. Yeah. And I always talk about the limited partners in pro sports teams and with the motivations they have. One of the motivations is the ability to utilize the team to close deals for their core businesses. Hmm. Like once a year, they can bring people into the locker room or once a year, they can hang out uh, at midfield. I believe when I wrote a story years ago, one LP said something, I, I, I got to utilize the cheerleaders in one of my promotional pitches or something. So just yeah. something different, right? Peter Kors told me that he invested in the Colorado Rockies because he wanted to have a, a leg up on getting the naming rights to Coors Field. So that was a successful thing. But in, in what we're talking about here is, yeah, the ability to do something cool. You know, if, against your competitors, how can you differentiate yourself? If you can get to that final meeting and say, you know, why don't we tour the Dallas Cowboys locker room before the game? You meet some of the players, then maybe we can, uh, you know, sign the deal on the star at midfield. That's something our competitors can't do. And it's very similar here with what we're talking about. It's all right, let's have a meeting. You know, the private equity and people want to invest and we're going, should we here? Should we there? That company. Wait a minute. Wait, that's Eli Manning. Can I can I see that Super Bowl ring? Can I wear it? Mm, yep. Can you tell me about the time it like you know, did you see David Tyree was open like did or did you just fling the ball? You know, so it, it's just a differentiator, something that can help like you said in deal flow, in closing deals. But uh, I also like where you went with the Eli's a little ahead of the game because from a media perspective and I don't think I've asked you this either on or off air. Looking forward with where media is going and where we know what the NFL is doing with its media and selling pieces of, of some components, the importance of the Manning, um, the uh, Manning cast to ESPN. We know Amazon is looking at doing some interesting things. Do you think when it's all said and done, could Eli Manning or will Eli Manning make more from his off-field mm-hmm. post-football ventures than he did as a player? It's not like... This is not going way back to 1975. You know, Eli played in an era where where the salaries were pretty darn good. However, the demand for what he and Peyton are doing and the guests they get on the Manning cast and the future of media, he's a man in demand. It's a great question, Scott. I see here, if I'm looking at this right uh, from Track, looking at some uh, some career earnings, he's over $200 million uh, from, from his on-field Earnings. That ain't, that ain't nothing. <laughs> that is not nothing. That is uh, that is a hefty amount. Uh, do I think that he could make that back on the media side? Uh, maybe, I guess a hefty maybe. I think the answer is probably not. But you know, there's no question that that the way Eli and his brother, the way that show has unfolded over this year, and and, and they've got a couple more years left on their deal, uh, and, and I'm sure there's green grass ahead of them after that if they'd like to continue doing it. I think that it's not an exaggeration to say that they are kind of reshaping a little bit of how sports broadcasts can be in the future. And and you and I talked 
a bit on on last week's podcast about whether how replicatable it is. I think the the true answer you and I both agree is that it's going to be really hard for other people to replicate both the kind of the the, the on field bona fides that Peyton and his brother have, the chemistry that they both have. They're both actually funny. They seem to have great recollection of good stories about their own experiences. It's kind of a perfect storm in a lot of ways. And Eli, I think you're right. Is that if if Eli really likes doing those broadcasts and he and his brother want to continue doing it, there is a boatload of money that they're going to make over the next five to 10 years uh, but by continuing to do exactly the show that they're doing. What's not to like? You get to work from your own, wherever your living room, if you want. I was always amazed that they didn't have to be together. You know, they can work when they don't work every week. You know, they can set the terms. People are going to be desperate to have them. And by the way, you said bona fides. Is bona fides bona fides? I would go for bona fides. <laughs> Great question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That might be time for the tangent uno- trumpet. Right? Answer, so you're going to a little yeah. tangent trumpet player right there. I'm not sure. <laughs> and I don't know why I care. I should have led with it, but then I was like, you know, went back. And by the way, I named a whole bunch of schools. We should say that uh, what is uh, Eli has what, a marketing degree from Ole Miss, right? He has University a marketing degree from Ole Miss. Uh, and the background here, how we got connected with Brand Velocity Partners, the background here in, in 2020, they purchased Barbecue Guys, which is a company that Eli and his father, Archie Manning, were invested in. Uh, so they got to talking kind of a, a, around that deal. There's a uh, a brand velocity partner SPAC uh, that Eli is an advisor on. Uh, so there was obviously a, a relationship behind that. And one other thing I'll mention, because I thought this was interesting and actually pretty cool. Uh, one of the, 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 the kind of the written into what brand velocity partners does 10% of the carried interest for their partners. So, so the money that brand velocity partners, partner the, the partners that the money that they get amassed as their investment uh, accrues and, and appreciates they give 10% of that back to non c-suite employees of the companies that they're invested in and I think that's pretty cool I don't know how common that is if that's a something that a lot of uh, a lot of private equity funds do or if, if, if it's as rare as I think it is uh, but I really like that that I like that policy and it seems like something that that really resonated with Eli as well I would say the most Eli part of the entire story that Brendan Coffey wrote was the carried interest part that Eli said. He <laughs> likes the fact that, you know, what, what is a very Sun Tzu? And remember, Phil Jackson gave Kobe Bryant a copy of Sun Tzu when he was sort of emerging as a star. Phil used mm-hmm. to deliver messages with books, right? And he would never tell the players, by the way, what he hoped they would extract from the book. But there was a lesson to be learned, and Phil would hope that they would pick it up. And with Kobe, as I think this as well, even though obviously it's not going to be quite on par, the message from Sun Tzu from Phil to Kobe was, the general cannot enjoy a perk that the troops do not enjoy. If the troops are sleeping out in the rain, the general better not have a wonderful tent keeping him dry because they will never follow that person. That will never be their leader. Uh, that's that's what he wanted Kobe to learn. I can't give you special privileges. You can't skip a practice uh, because you have a marketing shoot or something, whatever it might be, because nobody will ever follow you. So I, I think that's sort of a, appeals to Eli as well. That's sort of we're in this together. He would he would be one of those guys, don't you think, like would give the gifts to the offensive lineman before that was de rigueur, right? That that he would say, we're in this together and I want to include everybody. So anyway, easy segue on this, though, because we go from the Manning cast discussion to what is happening in other sports, same network, ESPN. But everybody is looking at what Peyton and Eli have done 
And by the way, the audience is only about 12% of like the TV. It's not like massive, massive. Yeah, it's about one and a half to two million people. Per, yeah, about yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not talking about reaching 20 million per game. But in, in, in a world of where we're going and forget broadcasting, as we've said, Rao, we're, we're in a world of narrow casting. People are going to want to watch the broadcasters they want. They're going to want the camera angles they want. All of those things. This is going to stand out. So ESPN is wondering, what can we do to shake up our Sunday night baseball coverage? So how about we have David Cohn going to the booth um, as part of all the changes, but going out of the booth is A-Rod. And he's going to be on, what are we going to call this one? What, what are we calling this one? You have the Manning cast made sense, but we've got... The so Rod maybe K? Both, <laughs> the well, K-Rod. I, no, I got it because, no, this works already because there was a there was a pitcher K-Rod. You have Michael K and A-Rod. Michael K, of course, the broadcast voice or one of them of the New York Yankees. So they're going to have their own K-A-Y Rod. K-Rod, kind of, I'll say Manning cast for lack of a better term there, except for K-Rod that hasn't picked up yet, but it will. This will be the start of it all. Um, your thoughts on an alternative broadcast, because Alex is a great baseball mind, but still, I, I, I don't know. Is this one of those like Howard Stern? You love him. So you listen, you don't love him. So you listen. And then the, I want to see what he says next. So I listen, but you aggregate a pretty good audience size. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think of Alex, the Alex, the broadcaster, kind of similar to how I think about Tony Romo, the broadcaster, in that he is very heavy on his obviously deep knowledge about the inner workings of the game that he's watching. I think some people can listen to him and get very annoyed by kind of the depth of the level that he's going into, just like with Tony Romo. And I think other people can listen to him and and, and really enjoy and enjoy the experience. I'm in the second boat personally. So my general thoughts is actually, I'm kind of excited to watch this. Alex, like a lot of, a lot of former athletes has an incredible memory of pitchers. He went at bat against what they threw to him, what he was thinking. A lot of those pitchers are still in major league baseball. I think one of the, one of the things we're going to continue to see is, is recently retired athletes are going to be really in demand because they not only do they have their own experiences, they have experiences with a lot of the, the the athletes on the field of the game that they're calling. Alex has done a really good job of that, I think, in, in talking about, oh, yeah, in the World Series, I was against this pitcher. This is what I remember, all that stuff. Um, so I'm interested in seeing what this looks like. Again, Scott, I, I, I'm very skeptical that anyone can kind of find the lightning in the bottle that the Manning brothers have, but I'm not sure if you necessarily need it. I think as long as Michael Kay and Alex Rodriguez have good chemistry, and as long as they're delivering kind of the alternative cast experience, something different enough from what your what your typical Sunday night baseball announcers are giving you, I think there's a chance that this can succeed as well. I think we may be stepping on like the Orand and Marshan toes here. This is getting a little sports media <laughs> in-house. Sorry, guys, it just happened to discuss this. Is, you know, nice segue from Eli. But I, I think it has to be more than just the K-Rod. And the Mannings know that as well, which is why they ahead of time promote the guests that are coming on. And I think that's the amazing part to me is the allure, the appeal, the gravitas that these guys have. Because in one segment, I'm listening to Roger Goodell and the Mannings. In another segment, I'm listening to Drew Brees and the Mannings. In another segment, I'm listening to Snoop Dogg and the Mannings. And they all bring a 360 discussion of not only the game, because frankly, I don't need to hear a play-by-play man or woman tell me that that was, you know, sort of a plunge off left tackle and he made one yard and fell down. Like they're looking at the game. They know if they need to step in and talk about something, but that kind of stuff we don't need to. 
and the angles and uh, that they come from with all these folks that are so willing to give up their time. And by the way, we also know they're also getting promotion. I get it. But as we just said, it's, you know, a million, you know, something people. This is not a Super Bowl sized audience, but they see value in giving their time to Peyton and Eli on this alternative broadcast. And I, I think sort of just the different facets of what they talk about really make this special besides just the, the folksy, incredibly inside smart take that only the brothers can give us. And to that point, we, we, we've talked about the size of the Manning broadcast. It's, it's in that one and a half to two million per, per game zone. As you know, Scott, that's an average. So, so that's the average across the whole thing. I think the fact that they have this wide variety of guests probably means, and I think only ESPN can really answer this for us, but I would bet that ESPN thinks that the Manning cast is also additive to the amount of people that are watching the normal cast. That if I want to hear the Manning brothers talk, talk to Snoop Dogg, but I don't care about Roger Goodell, right? That's not a, I'm, I'm essentially a, adding just a quarter of the, of the viewership numbers there, right? Cause I'm only watching a quarter of the game with the Manning brothers, but I might be more likely when I'm done watching Snoop Dogg, talk to the Mannings to switch back over to the regular cast to watch the end of that game. So I would be very curious how ESPN thinks about the way in which the Manning brothers are also driving viewers, maybe before interviews or after interviews back to the main telecast as way as it may be a better way of thinking about how much viewership they're driving and not just the eyeballs that are watching their game, their, their broadcast specifically. All right. So now I'm thinking, what would be my ultimate Manning cast? Would it say trio lineup of guests? Mm, yeah. Who, if, uh, if it's the Super Bowl happened, who, who's your? Who's I your would Super Bowl like guest to list? see. How about this? Just because of what he's doing, how about Deion Sanders for what he's building? You know, at, at uh, Jackson State, uh, uh, just getting a lot of top recruits there. And by the way. Dion knows football. <laughs> I would love to hear what he said. I've heard. <laughs> and you, you know one of my faves. Like, I would love to hear what Larry David has to say. Okay. With, yeah, with the Mannings, right? Yeah. I, you know, I love anything. You put Larry David on and I'm, and I'm going to watch. Um, but, and this is where I'm kind of, I haven't, this really wasn't planned. So I'm, it just came to me. <laughs> I'm trying to think who would be sort of that. Would you want who, The Rock? Would I want The Rock on that? I Geez, I don't, I don't know. That's not one that would have popped to my mind because I get a little football. No, I don't. I don't think. I'd love to hear what he has For, to say. Former with them. college player, investor in the XFL. He certainly know, knows the game. I know a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm. I'm not sure yet. But th those two. At least I want those two. I want prime time, and I want Larry David. You got somebody. I mean, I without getting too deep into the politics, I'd love to see B Barack Obama join. I think that would be a, I think that would be a fascinating conversation. I've found that the limited amount that I've watched the Mannings, I've found that the people who are maybe less tangentially connected to football have been some of the more. I mean, I thought the Condoleezza Rice part was 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 great as well. I think the people who have been kind of who know the sport obviously, but but know it in a way that's maybe a little different than the way that the Mannings know it have also you know have been some of the more interesting interviews that they've had so I, I really like the larry david answer because i think it would be funny i think he would have some insight that you're not going to get on a typical broadcast obviously and i think it's just far enough afield that it would at least break up some of the conversations they're having with the with the people who join them that are either current quarterbacks or you know broadcasters etc all right I, I have my answer by the way for your uh, final two for yeah i think for my final two um, because I love his podcast and he, I just love his different takes on things. I'd like to hear from Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, I think, I don't know okay. where that conversation would go, 
<laughs> so that's why I, I'm interested. In, and and a guy who I marvel, and I was proud that we, in in a little way, could call him a colleague or, or a former colleague. But Michael Lewis, so, Michael Lewis is so prodigious, but in how he can. But the uh, his idea of finding stories and story arc and character development, I and they can talk anything, right? He can. You want to do a little finance? Let's talk some finance in with the football. And then you want to talk about the development of the left guard and what would he if he's going to write a football book or you know get a new movie? What would he look at <laughs> Another next? Another football book. Yeah. How is that coming? You know, how is that coming? What are you working on, Michael? And that would be a great discussion right there. So I don't know. And if we did have Michael Lewis on. You and I, I would say, so Michael, tell me, what do I need to know about the New York Times acquisition of The Athletic? <laughs> they, were, they were in talks for a while, then the New York Times walked away, price was too high, suddenly we have a deal, $550 million. It looks like, yay, good for us, right? Good for us at Sportico. It looks like the New York Times company is doubling down on the value of subscriptions. Good segue, by the way. Really good thank segue. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and you're exactly right. The New York Times, the, their new CEO, Meredith Capit Levian, made it very clear when she was hired, she wants to get to 10 million digital subscribers by 2025. The New York Times thinks about its digital subscriptions as not just the what you pay to get to access to all the articles. They have their standalone services for things like cooking, for crossword puzzles. The Athletic seems like it is going to fit directly into that. It's going to be an independent newsroom from the New York Times, um, but it is going to add to, I think the, the, the Athletic has about 1.2 million subscribers. The New York Times is about eight. That's easy math, about 9.2 if you combine them, getting closer to that $10 million number. Uh, but you're exactly right, Scott. This is an acquisition aimed at adding another, you know, bundling different packages for the New York Times to keep growing the digital subscription part of the newspaper. Uh, what do you think about Sky? It's been a, the, the Athletic was founded in 2016, uh, very clearly from the beginning wanted to totally disrupt the way in which sports are covered from a media standpoint. There are ways to look at, at what they did as extremely successful and, and, and exactly what they said they do. I think there's other ways to look at it and say, ah, maybe they were hubristic. Maybe they didn't quite have the impact that they thought they would. Uh, now that at least this first life cycle of the Athletic uh, is is in the books. How do you evaluate the way in which the company changed or did not change the, the sports media landscape? Well, what was the quote that Alex Mather gave coincidentally to the New York Times? Like it was like, we're, what are we, we're going to decimate whatever it was. Yeah, I have it right you, here. You have it? I right, go for it. Yeah. It yeah. Me. Essentially it is, um, hold on. We will wait every local paper out and let them continuously bleed until we are the last ones standing is what he told the New York Times, ironically, in 2017. All right. I'm not, I'm not counting the New York Times as a local paper, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, if Alanis Morissette were here, we'd go a little ironic on the fact that they were <laughs> sold to uh, the New York Times company. Um, what's the Venn diagram of athletic subscribers to New York Times digital subscribers, you know, a, what do you? What a do really you think? good question. Yeah, I mean, I would think it's fairly high, would be my guess, but maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking. I mean, a lot of a lot of the athletic subscribers, or at least a chunk of them, are overseas. Part of a big push that that the athletic made, particularly into European soccer in the past two years. Uh, so those people, I would think, are are certainly way less likely to be New York Times subscribers. But I would think that there's a, a pretty decent sized overlap between the athletic U.S. subscribers and the New York Times digital subscribers. But again, I, I actually don't know the answer to that. And I would, I'm sure that that was a 
big point of research between the yeah. two companies as they talked for, it seems like, much of the last year, Scott, to try to yeah. get this deal done. Yeah, give me your database. I need to know how many subscribers of yours we already have. <laughs> but if all right, I'm going to go weird. I'm going to put on my Reed Hastings hat and okay. my private equity hat. Okay, you, you have no idea where I'm going with that. But I think I know where on, you're going with the Reed Hastings hat. You do, and what's are, you want to guess? Pricing? Pricing, yeah. yeah the, and that I think you're, you're okay here because... You know, Netflix is what, $8.99, whatever it is. It's, it's right at the end. I think I've said this before. I'm so curious in the psychology of pricing, like how they came up with it, because it's enough where if I go a month or two and I don't watch Netflix, something going on in my life, but I see the statement, the credit card statement, nine bucks. So what? Like, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm, it's a comfort thing. I'm glad I have it there and I can go watch if I need it. Okay. Now on the private equity side, there's two ways private equity... Uh, would come in and know the New York Times company is not private equity. I get it. But the two things that you can do, you got some levers you can pull, right? If you want to push one lever, you're going to increase increase your price. If you're going to pull another lever, you have to trim expenses. I believe that the athletic or or the New York Times company now with the athletic could do both. You I think could, that's right. Yeah. And if you think about the just the, the number, the scale here, we're talking, The Athletic had over 400 editorial employees. I think The New York Times is only around 1,700 editors and reporters globally uh, that, that are on staff at the time. So you're talking about another 25% of the workforce coming in just with The Athletic alone. I would be, I think, a little surprised if that number stayed exactly that high or, or got higher in the near term. Um, but that's kind of my own speculation about the way I see these two assets kind of working together. I wish I could give credit. Uh, I, I'm sure more than one person came up with the joke, but I saw it first on Twitter where somebody said, like, somebody should have told, you know, Meredith and the other executives at the New York Times company, they could have had the athletic for a dollar a month for at least a year, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of the 550 million. I'm sure more, I didn't come up with it. It didn't pop into my head. And then when I saw it on Twitter, I, I gave an audible chuckle. I will admit, I thought it was good. pretty good. I laughed also. So, yes, exactly. You get a little audible. So whoever it was, good for you. Feel free to let us know that it was you who said it first. But yeah, uh, we're, we're seeing this. It, um, Jess Lesson at The Athletic. Ha I'm sorry, at the information. the information. Rather, yeah, she she wrote something over the weekend. I got in my in-mail box about the, the dangers of sort of star reporters. Um, and it, it's just, is it good for journalism? So, I mean, there's just a lot happening. And she mentioned, I mean, in our old outfit, right? We have Justin Smith and Ben Smith now starting something for themselves. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, we worked with Justin over at Bloomberg. You know, again, we left Bloomberg to, you know, help found Sportico. Uh, and Jess says she guesses that some of these are going to have very successful exits in the next five years. She's just not sure if that is best for what we all do. So we shall see. We'll have to stay tuned. But anyway, he is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our social media editor is Core Veltman. She likes it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast. Don't forget to vote because it will soon be the hub of what will be. I don't know how many will be's I'll have there. The Sportico Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.